you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, I should hope you think it's possible. You know, I hear that question every week. Do you think it's possible to love your work? Well, yeah, a lot of you are figuring that out. Not only is it possible, it's the only responsible solution to this thing we call work. Make it something purposeful, meaningful, and profitable. Talked to somebody yesterday who's moving from a, a really lucrative position into a nonprofit. He's taking a big hit financially, but his heart is there. He wants to do it as his wife's support, and of course, I'm cool with that. I said, you know, the only uh, thing we can hope for is to have something work that engages our purpose, our passion, and hopefully we have enough of a plan financially that we can survive. Personally, I don't think it needs to be a big choice between one or the other. That's what we talk about here week after week. Hey, we're going to be talking about today, which is louder, your mouth or your mind? That's our thought for today. I'll unpack that in a little bit. Today's show is brought to us uh, with my friends at harrys.com. Going to be telling you about some new products. They've got new products in the razor line. For those of you who want a cool razor that really gets your face off to a fresh start every day. Hey, I'll tell you how you can use 48 days as a code to get $5 off your purchase. Now, here's some questions we'll be looking at today. Dan, should I be in ministry? Or in my own business? You guys just keep shooting me those kind of questions. I love it. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more as we seem to touch on week after week after week. Dan, how can I get interviews when no one will answer the phone? Dan, I have an aggressive savings goal, but don't make enough money to reach it. Well, that's an interesting dichotomy there. And somebody says, how can I teach my children to be good communicators? Now, our quotation for today, remember I said our theme is, which is louder, your mouth or your mind? Our quotation today comes from Stephen Hawking, who said, quiet people have the loudest minds. Now, that's an interesting juxtaposition there. Quiet people have the loudest minds. You know, I get a lot of questions from people who say, you know, I'm an introvert. Do I have any chance to really make it? You know, is it possible for me to be an entrepreneur? All those kind of questions. Well, yes, yes, and yes. I mean, what your personality style is, is not the determining factor in whether you can be successful in your own business or in a job, or even frankly, as a speaker, author, a whole lot of other things that we talk about here. Now, the best book on this is Susan Cain's book, Quiet. I've talked about it before, but it bears mentioning again, the book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. I mean, that's her book, and it is great to help those of you who think you are introverts understand that it's, it's okay. Here's a note from the book says at least one third of the people we know are introverts. They are the ones who prefer listening to speaking, reading to partying, who innovate and create, but dislike self-promotion, who favor working on their own over brainstorming in teams. Although they are often labeled quiet, it is to introverts that we owe many of the great contributions to society from Van Gogh's sunflowers to the invention of the personal computer. 
again, you hear me talk about, you know, the power of books, whether you read or listen, if you want to grab the audio copy of that, you can get it free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and you can get a copy of quiet free, but it's, it's a wonderful thing to think about once in a while. The fact that we don't need to change our personality in order to be successful. And I know there's a lot of push for introverts in our world from company settings to churches. It's those who seem to speak up, be up, push themselves to the front, the cheerleaders, the noisemakers who get the attention. Well, at the end of the day, those aren't always the ones who are making the difference. So be comfortable with that. Be comfortable with having a mind that's allowed, even if you don't have a mouth that's allowed. Well, you know, we talk about the success stories in here. I'm just going to give you some highlights. You know, I'm, I'm continued to work on ways that we can share some of the things that are happening. I'm in that fortunate position where I hear a whole lot of stories that are coming in. And yeah, we ought to be you know, sharing those. I encourage you in whatever groups you're in, if you're in a mastermind group or in a social networking group, you know, if you're in the 48 days.net group, you know, make sure that you're sharing your successes there. I mean, those are really encouraging to other people and that's not bragging. Some people worry about, well, I don't want to just brag. No, here, here's the deal. If you are one of us, so people know you, you've been interacting with others, they know you, then you share a success story. It's not like, you know, if I hear that, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, just made another quarter of a million dollars on one of his events or something, it really doesn't have any meaning to me because I don't have a personal relationship with Tony. Yeah, it's kind of cool to see that. So if you see something on the internet, you know, somebody made $50,000 yesterday or whatever, yeah, whatever, it doesn't really mean much. But if it's somebody that you know, and you know where they were a year ago, and now they did something spectacular, then it becomes a lot easier to connect the dots. You want to ask that person, how did you do that? And when you share a success, success story, I encourage you to share that. How did you do that? Well, here's some of the quick, just some quick notes from people in our community. Jeff McManus. Jeff is in charge of the landscaping at Ole Miss. Now, that's a pretty um, big responsibility. We know that students and their parents make decisions about where to go to college a lot based on curb appeal, based on the look of the campus when they walk on. That's a big feature in alluring people in. So Jeff is in charge of that at Ole Miss. Great guy. He just got his largest speaking fee ever. Again, you know, there's some times like this where I don't need to give you the specifics in order to frame it, but it was a big accomplishment for him, and we congratulate him on that. Devin Gino just landed a multiple six-figure contract with a company for her leadership consulting this year. Just did the first session of that well, this last week and got rave reviews for what's happening. Congratulations to Deb. Giovanna Ellison self-published her first book, You Have What It Takes. She scheduled her own book launch party and sold over $7,000 worth of books at that first launch party. That, that's a big deal. When, when you think about it, that's, that's a significant number of books. When there can be a book written by, you know, Al Gore, where he shows up at a bookstore and there are three people that show up, you know, to sell that much of your own book, 
at a book party that you scheduled. Yeah, that's a big deal. Congratulations to Giovanna. Mike Galvin out of Chicago, retired from the Chicago Fire Department just recently after years of serving there as a paramedic, but I got involved in real estate. He's just ramping things up. He just closed a $4 million deal. His biggest real estate deal ever. Golly, that congratulations on that. Andy Traub, a lot of you know Andy. He's very active in the 48days.net community. Um, recently moved here, right here in the Nashville area, just south of me and Franklin, but moved here from South Dakota and said goodbye to the cold weather. They can't believe the kind of weather they're having here, but uh, love it here. Made a very quick decision after being here a short period of time. They purchased a lot and they're getting ready to build a new house. There's a whole bunch of us giving him ideas about how to, what to do on that, but just a fun kind of thing. You know, this isn't starting a new business, but it's a major life accomplishment to land in a place, know you're going to stay there. So they're building a new house in Spring Hill, Tennessee. We'll be thrilled to watch the development of that as it comes up from the ground in the next few months. Jill Davis. Now, Jill lives out in Colorado Springs, Colorado, but she's become such a rock star in presenting the disc the personality profile that we use. I saw her deliver a presentation on that, on understanding yourself based on your disc at Kent Julian's event, speak it forward down in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I was there and heard Jill give her presentation. And thus I asked her to come here. She just recently came and did a segment at our coaching with excellence event that we just did last week. Did a super job. I mean, I love those. We could go and those are the kind of things that are just popping up everywhere where people are feeling the support and encouragement of other people. And I heard Giovanna Ellison say yesterday, you know, there, there's no price too great to be around people who are going to encourage you, pray for you, support you. She had a recent experience that she talks about very openly where she met her dad again, her dad left home on Christmas Eve when she was eight years old. That, yes, was a major hole in her life, but she's worked through that. Her dad just celebrated his 70th birthday, and she was there to celebrate with him. And just a tender story of forgiveness, but she loves the support, encouragement, and prayers of those around her who know her well and encourage her. And again, on those things that are not just business-directed, but also just part of a a meaningful life. Well, get ready. Here we go. I'm going to crank up Queen here to celebrate that segment of our show where we talk about we are the champions. Keep sending your notes in. Let us know what it is you're doing. You can shoot those notes in. Just go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link. You'll see the red starburst there. You can share it there. Or just shoot me a personal email and ask Dan at 48days.com. Be delighted to share that in an upcoming show. Sharing with people how you're a champion. You know those success stories. Again, it's not always about making a big pile of money. It's about those personal successes as well. We don't separate those things. They're all part of the same success journey. Thanks for sharing those. Well, just want to remind you, uh, today's show is brought to you by Harry's.com. Now, you've heard me talk about that. I've got my cool razor. We, I've had a challenge to see if I could get 48 shaves. Yes, I did that and more. I've got somebody who's made a really cool walnut holding case for it. I should be seeing that in the next few days. I'll let you know about that. But you can go there. If you're anybody who shaves, you want to grab your, 
your Harry's. They've got some really cool new selections, new colors inspired by Jimmy Chin. They um, put some new ones out there, high visibility colors of climbing gear. So you can go there and check those out. A whole lot of nature scenes done on the Grand Tetons. Now, I've got mine in orange. I just grabbed the orange one. It's kind of the Tennessee state color. If you follow the Tennessee vowels. So mine is in orange. i got a chrome one for Jared, my son. So I've selected colors. But now they got some new colors, some really cool ones. Burgundy. I think I'll get a burgundy one for my travels, maybe. They've got yellow, blue, green, some really attractive new colors. So just go to Aries.com. Use 48 days as the code to get $5 off your first very inexpensive anyway purchase. Harry's.com. Now, here's a question from Jonathan who says, Hey, Dan, I'm a 25 year old working full time as a church, church athletic director. I'm enjoying the job, but also know it's not long term for me. I used to dream of being a worship leader, but recently I've noticed my desire to do vocational ministry has diminished quite a bit. And my desire to start my own business has increased, but at times I go back and forth. Over the past two years, I've tinkered around with my own tech business. I've worked on several computers. I've recently started doing mobile tech repair. All my customers have been happy. How do I know if this is something I should really pursue? What can I do to really start ramping up this business if I have to make it self-sustaining? What do you think of the business name Macwell Redmond? too long well you've asked a variety of questions in that jonathan all good ones the first thing is well well, let me just let me me address your business side first i mean if you're doing tech repair yeah my goodness i mean it's such a pervasive need that all of us have and if you just let it be known start interacting on blog sites where they talk about that websites let it be known what it is you do i mean have your own site where it has a search engine optimization where people can find you easily let people know yeah there's certainly nothing wrong with what you're thinking about doing there you ought to be able to ramp that up easily what do i think about the name maxwell redmond no that's not too long i mean that's a reasonable kind of intriguing name and my friend david hancock has a publishing company where he does it's kind of the hybrid where it's not totally self-publishing it's not a traditional publishing house but they do wonderful books like the millionaire messenger and jeff walker's new book book launch but the name of David's publishing company is Morgan James. Now that sounds like a really high level professional name. Well, what do you think that is? Morgan James happens to be the name of his two children, Morgan James. So it sounds cool, but yeah, just come up with a name that you think suits you and uh, just try it out. I mean, it's not like you can't change it. I mean, I had as the name of my company, the business source for years and years. And then when we discovered the power of 48 days as kind of that branding positioning where we were telling people you can change your life dramatically in 48 days if you create a plan and act on it. And ultimately we brought that to the forefront, made that our company name. But that occurred over a, over a long period of time. So the big thing is just start. Get in the game. You can make those tweaks as you go if you want to. Now, Jonathan, the other part that I really think is the more important part of your question is this kind of yin and yang push and pull for shall you be involved in vocational ministry or shall you just go to have have your own business well here's the great news the good news is you don't have to walk away from your desire to do vocational ministry you don't have to choose between being in ministry or having your own business do both 
that we have to get rid of this artificial distinction between being in ministry or just out here having a regular job or business. Well, I mean, I think we're all called to ministry, but that's where we start. You know, and well, here's another thing. If you have the skills to work in business, then I think it may be questionable stewardship of those skills to not be doing, you know, using those skills and perhaps in a business of your own. But keep in mind, the Bible does not distinguish between secular and sacred work. Only we do that. I mean, all work, if it's using God's unique gift to us, is sacred. In that sense, we're all called to ministry. And some are going to do that as engineers, construction workers, bankers, real estate agents, pastors, teachers, evangelists, or brain surgeons. I mean, those are all equally sacred and all opportunities for ministry. I mean, what I do here, I mean, this is not a nonprofit. You know, I like to tell people that we're not a for-profit only company, kind of a new term, but certainly we can do things that I would consider ministry. If somebody calls and they're working in a church program and they need some of our materials, you know, we donate readily to organizations for that. You know, there are times when we, when certainly when I work with somebody and helping them through a difficult transition where they don't pay me, is that ministry? Well, yeah, you could call it that. You just don't need to make that distinction. Whatever it is that you're gifted to do and you do that well, that ought to be your ministry, your gift to the world. Again, the, the guys that come and do my yard work, wow. I mean, I love for them to see that as their ministry. If somebody comes out and fixes my air conditioning, just as legitimate as somebody who stands behind a pulpit on Sunday. The, the, the problem we get into on this is that sometimes we think that if we create a, a plan to generate income, but then certainly it's not ministry. Well, focusing on making money is a necessary part of doing anything well. I mean, any organization that doesn't care about its financial resources, I mean, they're going to be accountable for abusing those resources. It's not an opposition to focusing on ministry. It's part of doing that with excellence. So doing something that engages your passion your talent, your call to ministry, your desire to serve God, whatever you want to put in there, you still have to figure out how are you going to create an economic model? How is that going to work financially? And once you do that, then again, it doesn't really matter if that business or that ministry is building schoolhouses in Haiti or if it's building websites in Nashville, Tennessee. They should have the same kind of components connected with them to know that you are on track. Great question. Well, Stefan says, I'm far enough along in the process to have called about a third of my target companies, or should I say attempted calling? Now he's talking about doing a job search. And Stefan says, I'm trying to use this process since my old one isn't working. I'm trying to make an industry change and I have a few contacts where I'm targeting. The obvious problem is that I can't reach anyone by phone to follow up on the intro letter or the resume. Is it possible that I'm doing something wrong in this process? What are the common mistakes folks make when they're trying to use the 48 days job search process the first time? I don't know if I'm missing something obvious or if adjustments have to be made in the high tech firms in Silicon Valley. Should I just go back to only looking into companies where I have a contact rather than throwing out a net around the 40, 30 or 40 companies in my target list. And then 
He goes on to talk about, I've been working in Silicon Valley for the last 20 years. I've either been working on IC chip design, integrated circuit chip design as an engineer or working with companies who supply the software for such engineers and so on and so forth. Now, and, and he says, I, um, I took your message to heart that losing a job shouldn't mean I have to expect a demotion and pay cut. So I'm shooting for a QA director role in another high tech firm targeting mostly software companies, but one that isn't related to IC chip design. All right. Now you're right, Stefan, you're losing a job should not mean that you have to expect a demotion and a pay cut. You can reposition yourself in another industry with other kind of responsibilities. If in fact you have the skills that do position you as a qualified candidate to do that. And it sounds here like you certainly have done that. But the, the real key is when you aren't getting phone calls, you aren't connecting with people, you feel like you're just kind of slugging along on your job search. You have to figure out how can you make yourself remarkable? How can you get past receptionist? How can you get to those decision makers? And this is where you have to get creative right from the get go. You can do that even on your resume and let alone in your job search. I mean, I've had people that I worked with where I had them ask the receptionist, what time does the CEO come in in the morning? Oh, he pulls into his parking place at 6.43 a.m. Well, guess where I want to have this person standing at 6.43 a.m.? Yeah, if that sounds pushy and aggressive and hokey, so be it. You would be amazed how often that gets the results. Or somebody says, my gosh, if you're that aggressive, you know, you're the kind of person I really do want on my team. And we hear that again and again and again. So don't be afraid about being pushy or doing things that are creative and innovative when you're in a job search. But here's the deal about making yourself remarkable, making yourself attractive. The fact that you've got a long history in an industry and that you've got degrees and certification. Yeah, that's all fine. But you know what a lot of people are looking for today? I mean, even me, when I'm looking for somebody to bring onto our team, it was funny. I was having dinner the other night with, with somebody who is on our team. And she mentioned that she had a degree. Golly, and it was like, I don't know, in communications or something. It was something more interesting than that. And I said, really? I was not aware of that. Now, she's been working for me for a year. I've never seen her resume. What she had a degree in really had no relevance to what I wanted her to do. I mean, what, what I mean, maybe it does have relevance, but it wasn't something I considered important. I simply had seen what she did. I gave her some kind of test projects to work on, saw what she could produce and deliver. And she's been working me for that period of time without me ever even knowing what her degree was in, or if she had a degree, frankly, but here's some of the things that I do look for and that other employers are looking for. It may be notes of recommendation from three people who know you and respect you. It may be a past project that they can review media buzz around what you've already done. What am I going to see if I Google your name? I mean, I do that all the time. I mean, certainly companies do that, but I do that with people that I'm going to coach that has a lot to do with whether or not I choose to engage with somebody as their coach. What am I going to see when I Google them? If nothing comes up, gee, they're pretty non-existent. That tells me they aren't really in the game. You know, they're starting from zero. It may not be somebody I want to work with. Um, maybe leadership of a group on a social networking site. I mean, look at the people that are doing things in the 48days.net group. I mean, those are people that are easy to find. It's easy to see how they're providing leadership, easy to see what they're doing. 
You may have a regular blog that's compelling and engaging. You may be able to somehow document having a high EQ. That's an emotional quotient. And you may say, well, gee, don't, Dan, I don't have, I don't have any of those things. You know, I just want a job. Ooh, ouch. Well, if you don't have any of those things, then that kind of begs the question. Why would someone see you as an outstanding candidate? So look at those things that make you remarkable. Those are the things that will get you attention. And, and you can be persistent. Once people aren't answering the phone, part of what we have outlined in the 48 days job search process in 48 days to the work you love is the fact that with 30 or 40 target companies, you're going to get some companies that you can never get through. You'll never get anybody to answer the phone. You don't get any response. That's okay. See, that's a problem if you've only identified one or two companies. But when you've identified 30 or 40 prospects, then that's part of a reasonable mix to recognize that a few you're not going to make any contact, but it's in the overview of working with targeting all of those that you really do get the kind of response you're looking for. Well, let me move on here. This comes from Chris. Says, Dan, I've enjoyed your newsletter, podcast, classes, and products for years. I know you periodically visit family in Ohio. I'd like to offer a free night stay or two in a cabin the next time you come this way. And Chris goes on to talk about he's working at a church camp, loves the opportunity that he's got there, uh, developing the staff. Uh, he says, I think so highly of you and all that you stand for. I'd like an opportunity to take you on a tour, show you what I've stumbled upon here. Well, Chris, I appreciate, and he talks about it. it's the Kirkmont Center, located about 50 miles west of Columbus. Would be about six hours here, then another hour to, or so to the Mansfield area. Yeah, we do have, uh, still have family connections, uh, primarily in the northeastern part of Ohio. But I'm working on a project with our good friend, Kerry Oberbrunner. You've heard me talk about him. He's the author of Day Job to Dream Job. We went up there when he did uh, kind of a Shawshank Redemption theme launch for his book, which is a really fun event. And now he and I are planning an event together that we're going to do again there at the prison where Shawshank Redemption was filmed. I'm really excited about that. You know, stay tuned for details. We're going to be doing announcing an event in the next couple of weeks that'll take place in August. But anyway, I there are times when I get up there, so I'll certainly keep this keep this in mind. You know, one of the fun things about what I do is that. I do get to, to travel and I have friends, you, the listeners and readers all around the country and the world. I do get a lot of requests. I got a request recently to come and be the resource person at a camp up in um, Onikama. I think it's Onikama, Michigan. It's outside of Traverse City up there, a real beautiful part of the country. And we have, in fact, been there before and spent some time there just as campers, my brother and Sister-in-law have, I, I, I think they have an established week that they go there, but the, the camp has asked me if I would be, uh, if I would be willing to be the resource person there for a week of camp this summer. Now I'm probably not going to do that. I mean, it's, um, the, the, the rewards of that, of course, uh, there's a very small group, just the campers that are there for the week. And, um, we get a free room to stay in. So it'd be a, a wonderful little vacation, but I have a pretty busy, year planned out. I'm not sure that I want to carve out a week and, and prepare uh, content that'll be presented six or seven times during the course of a week. Anyway, I, I appreciate the invitations though, like that. And with yours, if we can work out a way to come by and visit you there at uh, the camp that you're at Kirkmont center, I'd be delighted to see that, you know, we're going to be driving to Florida here in the next couple of weeks. And there's um, a client that I'm working with who they have a, 
like a bed and breakfast, and they've invited us to come down there and spend a night on our way. And we're going to do that. I mean, we often do that. Kind of my old, my old Mennonite roots, we used to do that a lot. We didn't stay in hotels. We would just Mennonite our way around the country where there are always families that are willing to host you. Joanne and I have grown up like that our entire marriage. Our house has been open to people just with our Coaching with Excellence event here. Our house was was pretty packed full of people. Any vertical or horizontal place that they could come up with, we had people staying at our house. We welcome the opportunity to do that, and we uh, enjoy times of doing that with other people. So we're going to be staying with some friends, a physician and his wife and family on our way down to Florida. So thanks again for the invitation, Chris. Now this comes from Michael. He says, I, I'm not sure really how to ask my question. Now this is, this is a little complex. I'm not going to go through all the information here that Michael shared with us, but I'll give you the gist of what he's asking. He said, in many ways, I already know the answers, but I'm not moving forward as I would like. I put into a lot of this into this PDF and ask that you look at your leisure I know you're busy. I love what you've written and so on and so forth. Basically, I have big aspirations for 2015. And after assessing 2014, I'm afraid that I may not be able to reach my goals and that my life will lag on in the same state that it has for the last four years. I moved to Canada to earn good oil field money and pay off student loan debt. My family and I have succeeded in paying off debt by February of 2014. Uh, yet at the end of four, 2014, we didn't have anywhere near the savings that I had hoped for. Now, Michael goes on with a long overview of how much money he's making and what they'd like to save. You know, he's making around 60000 a year. He'd like to be saving aggressively uh, because with the things that he'd like to do to move back to the States, help out his parents, on and on. He'd like to have $100,000 in savings. And he just doesn't see any way to aggressively get to that based on what he's currently making. Now, in some ways, Michael, and I'm going to just skip the details there. Thanks for sharing those. I didn't look at the PDF. It's very, very well thought out. Very, very detailed. I've never had financial goals as detailed as what you've laid out there. I tend to be the big picture guy, but I've never gone as deep as what you've got there. I commend you on doing that. However, I think in some ways you kind of get the cart before the horse here. I mean, I don't focus first on my financial goals. I focus on what I'm going to do. That's going to bring amazing value to people. That's just how I approach it. I mean, take as an example, I'm working right now in the 48 days seminar. We are, our intentions are to get that approved as an academic course. So people will get college credit for that among other things. But let's say that I have a complete package for $69 Now, we've gotten thousands of testimonials from people already with the old material and how it changed their lives, helped them get the jobs. You know, they wanted, I got a note this morning from a really sweet note. And she said, uh, she heard me speak last year, tapped into our materials, and I was challenging her to double her income. Uh, Apparently, as, as the group, she said she didn't double her income. She quadrupled her income. I mean, I love getting those notes from people. But here's the deal. Let's say that I have a complete package, a seminar package for $69. We're going to teach principles for making yourself a good candidate in today's workplace. You know, so that's my focus. Let's just say that my cost for the materials is $9. So that leaves $60 profit on one of those kits. Well, then it's easy to start projecting financial goals, but the focus is still on making something that 
candidates who are in the job search want. And, and if we are using it in college classrooms, make it something that they want to share with their fellow, fellow classmates. I've never really had fancy sales and marketing plans, but I've always just counted on people who experienced our products to just share those products and ideas with other people. But let me ask you in this case, as we start to think about then where this could lead, would it be reasonable to shoot for having 834 students a month? And just people across the board. You know, this could be done in church workshops, certainly students, people going through the General Motors skill centers. I mean, we get a lot of requests for materials, just people who are looking for a better life, who may be going through a transition and want to know how to navigate that well. So when we look at the scope of the possibilities out there, would it be reasonable to shoot for 834 students a month this year, 2015, to access these packages? No, I don't even have them ready yet. We're probably 30 days away from having those totally ready. But that's okay. I don't care. I'm, I'm, we're, we're going to have it up and running, even if we didn't have it January 1st. Not a problem. Well, I think that would be a very reasonable goal to have 834 people access those kits per month. Well, you know, that's going to mean another, in addition to what we're already doing, $50,000 a month in profit. Now, again, I threw that out there because, you know, just to give you a sense of how I approach things, but my first approach was not, how can I make $50,000 a month? Never, never do I approach things like that. It's how can I create remarkable, amazing value for people? And give them access to that. That's my approach. But then I start to see what is happening financially. And sure, it's pretty easy to get, get, get excited about the things that are going to happen. Now, everything you've shared in your document here is about why you need more money and how you're going to spend or save it. But to me, money is just an unexpected byproduct of doing work that you love. I mean, it shows up in ways that still surprise me. I mean, it really does. I don't talk about that a lot here. I don't want to be one of those places. I'm not, you're never going to see me, you know, blast up what income I generated last month and all the breakdown on that. I'm just not going to do that. And some people do. That's okay. You aren't going to hear that from me. So I don't talk about the money end a lot. I talk about serving people well. I don't talk about selling things. I talk about serving people well and the money is an end result of that. I would encourage you to go back to that. You may figure out a way to serve people well based on talents that you have that will in fact double your income. But go back to really looking at that. What are your best skills and abilities? What are the ways that you bring unique value to the table? And in doing that, you may keep your current job at $60,000. You may come up with something that you can do on the side that'll generate another $60,000. That's not unreasonable at all. I mean, we're talking another $5,000 a month, not 50,000, just $5,000 a month. Is there something that you could do that would have that kind of value where you just put that in motion and all of a sudden you end up the year and yeah, you can hit those big savings goals that you've got because you're bringing that kind of value to the world and sharing it with them. Great question. Thanks for your question. Well, just a quick reminder, you're hearing real questions here from real people, all of us in this together, going through navigating these unexpected and sometimes unwelcome changes, and also just recognizing new opportunities. How can we do that effectively? So I love getting your questions. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link. You'll see that red starburst 
come up there. You can put it in that, or you can just shoot a question directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Also on that podcast side, you'll see a little microphone over there on the side, and you can just hit that, start talking. I mean, the technology is pretty cool these days, but you can just click on the mic and just start talking. Certainly any computer you're using at this point has a built-in mic, and I get that immediately. And if it's short and succinct, I'll include that in an upcoming show. Well, Robert says, I wanted to get your opinion. I think the most important skill I could ensure my children have is the ability to communicate effectively with others. I see communication as the fastest path to make things happen. And without it, nothing happens. Take me, for instance. I'm very introverted, but I have a service to offer retail store owners. The service needs to be demonstrated, which would require face-to-face. Email won't work. No matter how psyched I get, I get how psyched up I get, I tend to freeze when I think about going in and pitching the service. I don't even know the protocol. Do I go in and pitch or ask for an appointment to pitch? But I do know if I had developed the ability to communicate with others, well, it wouldn't matter. I'd just do it. Well, Robert, you, you make a great point. I mean, communicating well is an invaluable skill. Yes, we need to teach our children how to do that. Let me just comment first. Don't confuse having a pleasing personality with having a particular personality style. You can have a very pleasing personality and do really well in selling without being a very dominant, aggressive, extrovert, outgoing, hard-driving, opinionated person. Well, sure you can. But you do have to model the kind of selling required to what you know about yourself personally. Now, this is kind of a challenge with what you lay out here. You have a service to offer retail store owners. Service needs to be demonstrated, which would require face-to-face. Now, a couple things. Are there ways that you could communicate the value of this on a website or in a brochure? Where, where seeing face-to-face would just be kind of the final, the final piece in a sales process. Look for how you can do that. The other thing is you can be very introverted. And if you're going to demonstrate this to retail store owners, I assume that it's a fairly high ticket item. I don't know what it is, but let's assume that, you know, you're going to have a $2,000 consulting package or whatever. Well, you don't need, you know, 300 people next month. You may just need to gear yourself up with 12 carefully targeted retail store owners where you're going to present it to them. And if it is a big ticket item, sure, you're going to need to set an appointment to present it. Now I've done things where I've sold to retail retail store owners, like little advertising packages, you know, three, four, five hundred $500. And I never set appointments for those. I just walk in and I know that I know the numbers. And with one of the projects I was doing, I knew that my numbers were 67% of the people were going to write me a check on the spot. And I can make money all day long doing that. I'm not going to waste time trying to set appointments. I'm not going to come back across town. No, in and out, in and out, 67% closing. We can rock and roll with those kind of closing percentages. With what you're talking about, you probably need to make 10 or 12 real good presentations in the course of a month. That's not something that you need to change your personality for. Just set appointments. Be persistent about setting appointments. Have the time to get in front of people and do that really well. Now, over the long haul, you may want to look for some kind of a business product or service where you don't have to have face-to-face contact with people if, in fact, you are introverted. 
mean, when you think even about the way that uh, 48 days, I mean, the way we make money, I mean, I never pick up the phone. I never go knocking on doors, you know, talking to people about sales presentations. I create the first part of the sales cycle at developing rapport and trust, credibility, identifying the need. I do that through the things like this podcast, through newsletters, through blogs that I do, through interviews that I do on other podcasts. I mean, that lets people know who I am, what I'm all about, what I have to offer. Then people go to the website, they browse at their own leisure, choose what they want, and that works very, very well. So there's certainly things that you can do that are done like that. And when it comes down to how do you help your children communicate well, there's really nothing better than taking you right back to the old Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. You, you remember those points. I mean, the six ways to make people like you become genuinely interested in other people. Smile. Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Talk in terms of the other person's interest, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Those are things you can do. No matter if you're introverted, extrovert, it doesn't have anything to do with that. You can do those things. As a matter of fact, you, people who are introverts tend to pay attention and do those things better than those who are extroverts who are looking for the next time to, you know, jump in and open their mouth and draw attention to themselves. You know, you could do that well as an introvert and children, children can learn these principles really well. At our recent coaching with excellence event that we just had here last week, Clara, my little partner, seven years old, my granddaughter had her newest business venture. Now you've heard me talk before about her selling muffins here. She's done a variety of things, but this time she's learned with her grandma, my wife, Joanne, how to do Zentangle. It, it's like a sophisticated doodling. And so she did her designs on cards. They're really very good. I was blown away. And then her, her Yaya helps her make copies of that. They had cards. So they were selling these cards individually and in packs, a dollar a piece or 12 for $10. And she made a couple hundred bucks selling those to the audience that was here. Now people, obviously she's got a captive audience and people are very gracious, but I think people really did value what she was doing. We work with Clara and how she present, how she stands, how she talks to her customers when they come up, how she looks them in the eye, how she explains clearly, not mumbling with her mouth down on her chest. She's seven years old. We're teaching her these principles about how to communicate well that do translate in how to be effective, how to be successful, whether that's in getting a job or running your own business. I mean, I love teaching those kind of things and watching her lies that as she understands the power of doing that. Well, I mean, if, if she's selling when, when she was at a farmer's market selling her muffins and wasn't getting enough traffic, not a lot of people were stopping. I said, Clara, take your basket. She was dressed in a little Victorian outfit with a bonnet and everything. Take your basket. You go talk to people, go anywhere, anywhere you see people, just go up and tell them what it is you're doing. Ask them if they'd like to experience the delicious muffins that you just made this morning. Well, she did that. And you, you can guess what happened. I mean, she sold out of her inventory very quickly. She didn't have to sit there, you know, sit behind a table. I mean, how many trade shows do you go to or farmer's market where the adults are doing that? When you're sitting behind the table reading a novel, you have to interrupt them if you want something. Geez, they aren't selling. They're order takers at best. 
that's not going to make you successful in a business. Well, you can teach your children that. I mean, I've loved teaching my own kids that. And of course, now my grandkids and you can do the same with yours. Great question. Now, William says, this is interesting. He says the trade act is a foreign trade policy that allows workers who lose their jobs due to the place of employment moving overseas to have some kind of, some of the retraining costs paid for them. This happened to me at the end of 2013. I qualified, but I didn't know what to use it for. I was assured that I didn't need to start using it immediately. Now in the beginning of 2015, I know I want to do coaching, but I don't know if your coaching mastery program is able to pay be paid in this way. I would receive a certification uh, within the two years. It's, it's a lower cost than college. Do you think this can work? Well, I'm not sure. I've never had somebody use that particular thing. There, there is a trade. It's the trade adjustment assistance program the TAA program. And if you lost your job due to those jobs going overseas, you know, there's training assistance available. I would think that our coaching mastery program would qualify. Now there's a couple things you want to check on because you said you were laid off back in 2013. And I pulled up the site there. It says generally if a worker's laid off, a petition must be submitted within one year of the layoff for that worker to be covered by the petition and the certification. So you may have missed your window of opportunity there. It does need to be within one year, but you can fill out the form. You can go to the TAA site, fill that out. We do have a lot of other um, third-party pay. I mean, we had a gentleman who just finished where his company paid for him to come through the coaching mastery program. He's going to continue working for the company. He's not going out as an independent coach, but they thought it had value for him to be an effective coach within the leadership position that he has in the company. So, yeah, I mean, check out our coaching mastery program. Uh, we just had five new people this last week that um, applied for that. Uh, we're getting them started, but we'd love to talk to you about that. So check it out on your end. There's not much I can do on my end in terms of deciding whether or not it would be paid. It really depends on you and the employer that you came from. I mean, that's going to determine if you have access to those funds. If you do, then I would suspect that our coaching mastery program would be yeah, would be well within reach there. Here's just one more here. This comes from Patrick who says, if a company asks that they take ownership of all my published social media content upon accepting a job offer, are there ever any circumstances under which this would be viable? I can't imagine a company asking to take ownership of all your published social media content. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. I mean, you provide a valuable service for the company. Yes, that's an understandable agreement, but it's ridiculous for a company to pretend that they're going to own you 168 hours a week. I mean, they don't own every thought that comes through your mind. It's just not reasonable to have that kind of expectation. Companies are panicked about people developing content while they're on the job. Yeah, those are all reasonable concerns. Those are all things to be worked out based on trust courtesy and integrity, but not to be done legally where they own you lock, stock and barrel. Any thoughts you have, they own you. That's just, that, that, that's nuts. I, I that, that's a negative approach to a job. It would be a red flag for me if they were requesting that. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you. The tips we got in here, you don't have to choose between ministry and having your own business. And remember our quotation for today Quiet people have the loudest minds. Let us know your success stories. Get involved in the 
48days.net community. Keep us posted on what's going on with you. We'll go out with our regular song here. 48 Days. Have a great week. Thanks for being part of this community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. That just seems to be an ongoing issue. You don't have to sacrifice. To do something worthwhile, humanitarian, godly, and good, you don't need to eat beans and rice. You can thrive financially while helping people in the best way possible.